0: Chapter Twenty One of The Hall in the Grove by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Flats and Sharps. It was curious to see how the different elements which composed the family in the Fenton cottage gravitated towards their respective attractions. Individuality showed plainly here, perhaps in no one more plainly than in Irene Butler. I think I have neglected to herald the arrival of the butler girls, sent thither by the unweed Jack, who declared Long Branch stupid and Saratoga insufferably hot, and avowed his determination to see what that camp-meeting was like before he was a year older. Miss Irene was nothing loath. She had heard recently of so many things that were specialties at Chautauqua, it did not seem probable that high art would be ignored." She had not found just what she sought, it is true, and a blessed thing it was for her that she had not. But she had found a new absorption. Not a day was she in the vicinity of the clay-modelling department before she became enamoured of the work, joined the class, and was thenceforth to be seen, morning, noon, and night, with little vicious-looking lumps of clay in hand, patting and pinching into shape. And what shapes! Never mind! laughed mrs fenton when her husband was maliciously displaying an unfinished dog that miss irene had left on the window-seat i am rejoiced i feel like writing her father a congratulatory letter he will live to bless the day that irene ever heard of chautauqua bless your heart clay is cheap and ducks and cats and puppies can sit around on mantles and take up much less space than one of her oil paintings if you knew how the butler mansion groaned under its weight of paintings, you would rejoice with them over this respite in the shape of lumps of clay.' "'But what a bore it must be to the teacher,' protested Mr. Fenton. Think of his having to sit there hour after hour and watch this burlesque of his divine art. Don't you suppose Miss Irene's cats and puppies are positive trials to him?' "'No, I don't suppose any such thing. He is a man of sense.' He knows as well as you and I do, a great deal better probably, that the men and women who come here to play with clay are not geniuses, in that line at least. The majority of them, I suppose, haven't even a streak of talent for modelling. Then what is the use in his spending his valuable time from day to day over a set of commonplace people who will never accomplish what they are trying for? asked matter-of-fact Mr. Fenton they were sitting on one of the side piazzas in the cool of the day mr masters was one of the group he was the first to answer mr fenton's question the grand thing about it is that here and there is one who touches the lump of clay in such a fashion that the artist's skilled eye detects genius there is a power that must be cultivated he says to himself and though the embryo-modeler doesn't know it, the eye of the teacher is on him or her during the entire class, directing, guiding, offering just such suggestions as shall help that one, and that one you and I will hear from in the future, Mr. Fenton. "'Then I'd dismiss the bunglers and give my time exclusively to the genius, I believe,' declared Mr. Fenton, laughing and you would thereby defeat one of the pet schemes of the chautauqua platform that of discovering to people their own power once let it be understood that none but geniuses would be admitted to the modeling classes and none would apply power in this line as in every other line lies dormant in many a brain and you have to popularize a study Bring it in the form of almost play, before you will discover to the individuals what nerve in them responds to touch. Well, then, at best, all the rest of us, when we go in there to make clay sheep and puppies, are but another sort of clay for the teacher to manipulate for the benefit of his undiscovered genius. This was Mr. Fenton's merry reply, but a chorus of voices protested it isn't possible to learn ever so little a thing about ever so obscure a study without getting actual benefit therefrom mr masters said positively and caroline added that she believed she had demonstrated that in her own experience several times well now persisted mr fenton prove your own theory take me for an illustration "'I've been for two days puttering in there on a piece of clay, and I'd like to have you tell me what good it has done me.' "'Why, father,' exclaimed young Robert, "'I should think you could prove that for yourself. Don't you know how you told the man yesterday about the sloping roof and the end window, and how pleased he was, and how you told me afterwards that you had never thought of that way of planning until you were busy making your clay house?' Amid the general laugh that followed at the father's expense, he tried to sustain his position by lamely hinting that it was the house-builder and not himself who reaped that benefit. Miss Effie's tastes were no less distinctly marked than her sister's. If the pretty Amy was fond of fresh muslins and bright ribbons and morning walks, what could be said of Effie Butler? As usual, she apparently lived and moved for the purpose of displaying fresh and elaborate and altogether inappropriate toilets, and wandering through the more closely peopled avenues, or going boating on the lake. And yet she had made not even a pretense of being interested in anything that had to do with the distinctive features of Chautauqua. "'I know why that lake was created,' declared Mrs. Fenton it was for the purpose of keeping effie butler out of other mischief while the rest of us are busy with our work had she and joseph ward only been congenial spirits they might have lounged through the world together to their mutual comfort as yet joseph was as little interested in chautauqua proper as was miss effie herself the main difference between them being that he lounged through the world in most unbecoming attire and with startling disregard to the finer properties of life, while with Miss Effie every separate attitude of negligence and ennui seemed to have its appropriate costume and grace. During these days James Ward was undeniably restless, happy by spasms that were apt to leave him with a restlessness upon him that amounted at times almost to irritability. Certain questions of grave import were pressing themselves upon him for settlement, and he seemed not ready to settle them. Paul Adams went as systematically about his work as though he had months before this determined on just what to do, and mapped out not only his present but his future. He worked hard at the new buildings which were springing up as if by magic, and he worked harder if possible over his book. He had bought two hours of time out of the midst of the day from Mr. Tucker, that gentleman it must be admitted, showing an unusual willingness to grant such a favour, and watching with curious eyes to see what would be done with the extra time. Others were no less astonished than he with the disposal that was made of it. Joseph Ward chuckled over it at intervals during one entire evening. "'What do you suppose he has done now?' he said, beginning to his brother the talk about Paul, as though there were no other person to bestow that pronoun upon. That James understood to whom he referred was evident by the half-impatient movement with which he threw aside the book he was reading, and said, "'I'm sure I don't know. How should I?' "'Well, sir, he has joined the class, beginning Latin, pitched into it exactly as he did into Rome, means to drive right through the book,' I never saw such a queer fellow since I was born. What does he want with Latin? I asked him if he expected to be a college professor like Dr. Monteith, and he stopped his everlasting saw and stared at me as if I had given him another idea, and said, "'Well, who knows, I'm sure I don't. It's a chance, you see, and it came right to me without any looking of mine. Dr. Monteith gave me a ticket just to be kind, I guess.' Jack Butler said he might better have given me a boarding-house ticket. I don't agree with him there, says Paul, because I can earn my own board. But I made up my mind to go in and learn all the Latin I could this summer, just to show the doctor that I was grateful, you know. I can't tell what I may want to do with it. It won't do me any harm. So at it he goes like a madman. Did you ever see a fellow act like him?' no said james testily but i wish i could see a few meantime he james attended lectures steadily seeming to choose them by accident instead of design seeming to have no settled purpose other than could be said to fill caroline's life that of picking up from every available source whatever she could as for robert fenton his mother laughingly called him the assistant superintendent of instruction So eager was he over every branch of study or entertainment offered on the grounds. I do not know that young Robert will ever be aware of the fact that he was the first originator of the Centerville branch of the CLSC, but certain it was that he steadily did what he could to bring it into prominence. His eager face and earnest eyes and keen questions were known already to many habitues of the grounds and more than one in authority, had singled him out as one of whom Chautauqua would one day be proud. As for his mother, she was already almost proud enough of him, and so grateful to him for opening this wonderful avenue of culture, not only to her but to his father, that she could not, day or night, forget her joy. Yet there was at this time creeping over her heart a shadow of anxiety for this same Robert." While they sat on the piazza during this summer evening of which I write, discussing the value of the clay modeling department, there occurred a diversion. Some one of the many neighbors who lived in tents near the Fentons was indulging in a private musical rehearsal, striking solitary notes on the organ, prolonging the sound until it faded into distance and silence. "'That is a very sweet-toned instrument for a small one,' said Mr. Masters, arrested, as he always was, by the first breath of music. I wonder whose make it is. "'I wonder who is making the music and is so fond of E-flat,' said young Robert. "'He or she keeps running back to that. No, there comes F-sharp. Now she has jumped to A-flat.' Whereupon Mr. Masters turned toward him with wondering eyes. "'How do you know?' he questioned, great astonishment in his voice. "'How do I know? Why, by my ears! Can't I hear? There she goes back to E-flat again. That is a pretty tone. She must be trying chords. There's upper C. That's too sharp, my friend, for a quiet night like this.' "'Robert,' said Mr. Masters, wheeling his chair in front of that young man, do you mean to tell me that you distinguish these notes by name as they are struck at random? Why, of course I do. Why shouldn't I? If you were in the other tent there yelling A at the top of your lungs, would I have any trouble in knowing that you said A instead of B, or some other letter? And you can tell musical notes as readily as you can letters of the alphabet? Why not? They have a sound of their own, as much as the letters of the alphabet have. "'After I have learned them, why shouldn't I be able to tell them?' "'I can't,' said Mrs. Fenton, "'and I am quite familiar with the scale, or used to be when I was a girl.' "'Oh, well, mother, you have never learned. "'If there was a fellow in there going through with the Chinese alphabet, "'I shouldn't be able to tell one sound from another, "'because I don't know the sounds. "'After you learn them, of course you can tell them.' "'How long have you been able to do this, Robert?' It was still Mr. Masters's voice questioning, and he was evidently very much roused and in earnest. "'Ever since I learned how, of course,' laughed Robert. "'I was bewitched with it for a few days, couldn't let the notes alone. Every time I passed the children's temple when it was vacant, and sometimes when it wasn't, I went in and practiced shut my eyes you know and touched the keys and then opened them and found out whether my thought of the sound was right then there is a fellow as interested in it as i am young brown you know him father he found out i was practising and we tried it together went off in the woods and yelled ourselves hoarse but we have got so now we can tell with our eyes shut and our ears too almost why mr masters is there anything strange about it rather strange i should say how long have you been taking lessons robert why ever since we came i began the first morning and i haven't missed a lesson do you mean that you never took music lessons before not a lesson unless what i've taken of the birds in the woods can be counted in they are rare little chaps to teach music i think mr masters turned toward caroline a puzzled face Doesn't that strike you as extraordinary? he asked. Just what are you referring to? Why, this young man's ability to tell off the notes in that fashion as they are touched. She shook her head, smiling. I didn't know it was an unusual thing. I think I can do it, though perhaps not so correctly always as Robert. Isn't that f sharp, Robert? she asked, turning to him as the practicing in the tent continued. "'Yes, am said Robert, without an instant of hesitation. "'I shouldn't wonder if someone was practising on that very thing. Professor Seward wants us to give a good deal of attention to it. This is some of his class at work, I'll venture.' Mr. Masters' bewildered look in no sense changed. "'Do you read music?' he asked of Caroline. "'Why, no, I suppose not,' she answered, laughing. "'That is, I am learning.' like robert i took my first lesson the day after we reached here i like it there is a perfect fascination about the system to me i went to singing school a few times when i was a young girl but i fell into a perfect slew of despond over what they called the transposition of the scale it seemed as intricate and as hopeless as latin looked to me then and i fell into the idea that a special gift was required to know what they were talking about so I turned back in despair. "'Caroline,' said Mrs. Fenton, "'I am astonished. I didn't know you ever gave up anything. I don't think I am very fond of giving a thing up after I once undertake it, but, as I tell you, that awful transposition of the scale was too much for my faith.' "'Yes,' said Robert, with a burst of laughter, "'I asked a fellow in the graduating music class once to tell me what it was, and you never heard anything like the bungling, bewildering lingo he got off. I haven't the least idea that he knew what he meant. But I have discovered what it means, and that Professor Seward is Professor Seward still if he does climb a chair,' whereupon both he and Caroline indulged in a hearty burst of laughter, and the rest looked mystified. "'What are you talking about?' asked his mother. "'Why, mother, if you understood music, I could explain. There is some awful jargon about steps and half-steps and chromatic tones, and oh, I don't know what, regular Greek, you know. Just as you got a lot of notes learned, fixed in one place, off they went and changed their names and their places of residence thirteen different times.' A fellow would have to make up his mind to give a lifetime to get acquainted with them. Well, Professor Seward told us how he illustrated to the children in Boston the change of key. He said to them, "'Children, who am I? What is my name?' They piped out, of course, that he was Mr. Seward, and they giggled over it ever so much, you may be sure. Then he mounted a chair, and he said, "'Well, children, who am I now?' "'Why, you're Mr. Seward, they chuckled." what, am I Mr. Seward still? But I am ever so much higher than I was before. But they insisted on it that he was Mr. Seward anyhow, high or low. Very well, he said, here is Doe, but I want this tune to be sung higher than our last was. Suppose I put this note up here, what is it now? And of course the bright little things understood that it was do still, and they had transposed the scale." a lightning flash of intelligence passed over Mr. Master's face. "'This is all very extraordinary to me,' he said earnestly. "'I haven't looked into the tonic solfa system. In fact, I may as well admit that I rather obstinately refused to look into it. I said the old system was good enough, couldn't be improved. But I've read music at sight pretty respectably for years. I can sing rather difficult music with a little study,' but I can't distinguish isolated notes when I hear them, and give them their proper names. "'Professor Seward says,' declared young Robert, with eagerness, "'that half the musical people in the country are no better off, and they always seem to him as queer as though he should ask a man what a certain word was in a sentence, and he should say, "'Excuse me, I can read this sentence, but I don't know the individual words.' The evening bell pealing out at the moment interrupted this conversation and suddenly dispersed the talkers. End of chapter twenty one.